0: and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: Really, right now is a great time to try new things. It's a great time to be nimble um, and be ready to pivot when things don't work. And it's okay if things don't work, we're in in uncharted
0: waters. That's Jennifer Thompson on the State of Healthcare Marketing in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis. We'll hear more from Jennifer on the rise of social media, telehealth and marketing's increasing role in patient communication. But first, a word from our sponsors. Proven payment solution for patients' out-of-pocket cost, the CareCredit Health, Wellness, and Personal Care Credit Card gives cardholders a convenient way to pay for treatments and procedures at locations in the CareCredit network. Payment flexibility is increasingly important as patients may face economic and health concerns in light of the coronavirus pandemic. With promotional financing for purchases of $200 or more, Cardholders can move forward with the care they need and want today and make monthly payments over time. For healthcare providers navigating financial and operational challenges resulting from the pandemic, Care Credit can help reduce time and effort devoted to billing and collections while increasing patient satisfaction. Accepting Care Credit as a payment option is easy and quick, and you receive payment within two business days. CareCredit currently has over 11 million cardholders and is accepted in more than 240,000 locations nationwide. Learn more about how CareCredit helps providers deliver a better patient financial experience at carecredit.com slash MGMA podcast. Are you looking to simplify your uniform program? Scrub in Uniforms is a national healthcare uniform company that is partnered with MGMA to offer members a customized program full of tremendous benefits. Scrub-In strives to make uniform ordering as simple as possible for all organizations, large or small. With features like custom ordering portals, a voucher program, painless return policies, and unmatched customer service, Scrub-In makes ordering new uniforms the easiest task on your to-do list and at pricing that's easy on your budget. Learn more and contact them today at mgma.scrubin.com to experience the Scrub-In difference. Marketing your medical practice can no longer be an option. In a time and industry wholly consumed by COVID-19, it has to be a priority. Patients need to know how to prepare for in-person visits in today's new normal. They need to know what measures are being taken for their safety. And if available, they need to know the ins and outs of telehealth and if it's a viable alternative to the traditional trip to the office. Here today to talk about how she's helping practices amplify that messaging is Jennifer Thompson, president of Insight Marketing Group. In addition to her healthcare experience, Jennifer's led marketing efforts for startups, small businesses, and Fortune 500 companies. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, I wanted to fill in our audience on something. We've got a pretty interesting backstory here with Jennifer. We recorded uh, an interview back in February, right before COVID 19 pretty much shut down the economy, shut down a lot of practices. We had a great interview, but we may run one day, but right now in the uh, uh, COVID-19 environment, we're uh, gonna hang on to that one. But for you, Jennifer, I wanted to just follow up with you. What's been going on these last three months or so? Uh, How have things been going with you both personally and professionally?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking, Daniel. So personally, I'm doing just fine. Um, My team's doing just fine. We're all working from home. I don't have any problem with it. I'm I'm set up to work at home. It took a little bit of time to get the rest of them set up and and ready to go. And kind of once we got through the immediate shock of everything that was going on, um, we were able to pivot and come up with a plan. And so I will say that professionally, I, I can't remember a time that I've had to step into truly like a hands-on leadership role in the way that I have. Um, I mean we've always worked hard but there's the days are a lot longer than they used to be and the emotions are a lot higher and you know you're you're putting in all this work and you're trying to make sure that your team's taken care of and that everybody's mental health is good I feel like I'm in more meetings than I've ever been in and um not to mention like I don't know sometimes when I'm going to the mailbox if the checks are going to be in the mail or if we're doing all this just out of the goodness of our heart and I think that's just the level of uncertainty that everybody's feeling. So personally, we're awesome. And professionally, it was a little rocky for a couple of days, but everybody got into a rhythm and things are just rocking and rolling now.
0: Yeah, I think so many of us across the country have been dealing with so many of those same things. You hit a nerve there when you said longer days. It's kind of difficult to find the turnoff switch some of the time right now. It just keep going and going. And you find one more thing, even if you go out dinner with family or whoever, and then you say, uh-oh, there's that one other thing, and, and your computer happens to be in the next room, so you can just go right back in there and get back to it. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, you were saying you've seen challenges like never before. Is it you touched on the emotional side? Is, is that really where it is, or are there some unique pain points from a marketing perspective that you haven't had to address in the past?
1: I think that the, the pain point is that you're having to pivot so often that you, you just, you know, there's always days from a marketing standpoint where you're not sure what you're going to be faced with because, you know, marketing to some degree can be a little fluid, but now it feels as if you're doing a lot more experimentation. Everything is a fire that you have to put out and, you know, every single plan that you ever had is out the door and so now you're just i think broad based you're thinking about different things and you know for me i like to like put myself in like um, i'm a strategy type of person so i love the idea of coming up with with big ideas and then trying them but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily fit for all personality types and so like the kind of the top level things that we're being forced to think about and make sure that i'm communicating it downstream so that we can um deliver for our clients is you know first from a marketing standpoint like website and social media have become the lifeblood of the business in terms of messaging because you have to be able to you know if a new protocol gets put in or the cdc makes a new recommendation on how to to deal with patients or the governor one day says all right, we're canceling all elective surgeries across the state. The only way that you can communicate truly like in a quick real-time status is through website and social media. And so the marketing team has had to step up and just be available and have kind of um, a level head and be ready to make these things happen like on a dime. And so that's, that's one thing that's kind of been different a lot more than in the past. Um, messaging has become ultra sensitive. You know, what are we what are we going to do? How do we prepare the patients who are still coming in for this appointment where they're going to be maybe waiting in their car versus sitting in the waiting room? How do you prepare them for a doctor who might be in gloves and wearing, you know, an N19 mask and us requiring them to wear a mask? Or how do you teach them how to use telemedicine? And so like the whole patient readiness and messaging has really come into play and it it requires us to step up our communication skills and and at the same time be very deliberate because what we're putting out there, people are paying more attention to it now than they've ever paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that this that's just marketing like has really become part like before we were it always felt like we're part of this group that's over on the side. But I would say that the marketing team is critical to the day-to-day operation of the business because you can't communicate without them at this point. And that, that goes also to like the employee side and the employee engagement side. How do we communicate with employees? Because we've been pulled into a lot of employee engagement conversations. How do we keep furloughed employees or at home employees who are all working at home right now, engaged in what's happening in the practice? because a lot of the practices that I'm working with, you know, they applied for PPP, they got PPP. Now the fear is, you know, three months ago we were at almost full employment. Now we're double digit unemployment numbers and you've got, you know, it might be easier just to stay at home and to get a different job than trying to come back to a practice. And so I I have this conversation a lot with um, clients that have like a big surgical side, you know, sure, we're not, we weren't out, you know, until a few weeks ago, we weren't doing elective surgeries. But that doesn't mean people aren't going to have these elective surgeries. And so we have to keep our employees engaged because it's just created a giant backlog. And that now means that we're going to have to staff up quickly to bring people back. We want the people that know the practice. And it could mean Saturday and Sunday hours just to get through the surgical backlog. And so I think the biggest takeaways have been you know being able to really pivot fast from a website and social standpoint, being ultra sensitive to the messaging, but being able to do it quickly, and then staying relevant and engaging your employees because if you lose your employees, you lose everything
0: yeah you you said so many interesting things there, one of them that really hit me was uh talking about the employment and unemployment rate when we talked just a few months ago uh we were talking uh, historical low unemployment, going back 50 mm-hmm. years to see another time like this. Now we're talking about historically high unemployment rates. We're having to go back to the depression uh, to find a time where there was this. It's just this is uh, a unique situation. That's pretty much the consensus of every healthcare professional and. Other experts like yourself that I've talked to have have pointed that out. You talked about the sort of the distribution model, how to connect with people out there. You talked about the things you're focusing on uh, with practices. I wanted to just go one layer below that and talk about what do those conversations sound like when you're, uh, I was gonna say meeting with, but I mean, you are meeting with them through Zoom or however you're connecting with providers. What are those conversations sounding like where you're uh, building out the message that they need to have, uh, whether it's on a daily basis, or are you looking out a week, two weeks, a month? What is kind of that plan of action?
1: Yeah. So the, the very, so right when everything happened, the message was we're open and this is what that means, Um, which might've been, Closing certain offices, condensing to you know one a single office. We're open for for appointments. The appointment may not be an in face an in person. It may be a telemedicine appointment. And then as soon as we saw the reopenings start happening, the message shifted. And so we, at least from my my team's perspective, we scheduled calls with everybody because um, you know sometimes you're just emailing and maybe talking to someone here and there, but we wanted to have some strategic calls to really fully understand what a kind of phase two opening looked like. And the message shifted from we're open to now we're open and this is what it's going to look like when you come to the practice. And so now the message is all about preparing the patient for what that experience is going to be. And, you know, trying to mitigate a negative patient experience because maybe, you know, they weren't expecting to sit in their car as the waiting room or, you know, like I said, they weren't expecting the mask or, you know, God forbid, like from a telemedicine standpoint, they, that it's an older patient who doesn't understand how to use the technology or, you know, in, a, in an area where the internet connection is. That all plays into what that patient experience is going to be and just trying to prepare the patient for what any of these obstacles and challenges might, that they may encounter, and then how do you get them in and and then make it a positive experience. And so that's kind of where the messaging has been going.
0: Yeah, thanks for filling us in on that. And you mentioned telehealth in there and telemedicine. As we know, uh, it's not brand new to healthcare. It's been around for a while. It's just been expanded during this crisis. Uh, It's been embraced. Uh, It's been a way that uh, providers have been able to communicate with their patients when the patients can't come into the office right now. Um, How has your marketing changed as far as telehealth, telemedicine is concerned? Did you already have an action plan for that? Or uh, has that evolved since the crisis began? Tell us about that.
1: Well, no, we did not have a plan. We knew about this thing called telemedicine, telehealth, but the regulatory environment was so strict and the the reimbursements were so poor that it didn't ever really feel like anyone was truly going to invest fully into it. Um, And then that changed literally overnight. I had an orthopedic practice who had been talking about, yeah, I want to add telemedicine this year. He wanted to do it because he has a series of walk-in urgent care orthopedic urgent cares and he thought a telemedicine option would be good from that standpoint especially like tying in kind of their workplace safety and work comp folks so they could do like evals on the tv and then if they needed to come in they could well that turned into from a six-month timeline to literally like a six-day timeline and so right when all of this was going down I um, right after we kind of all went home to work I got the team together on a zoom call and I said look guys you know from a marketing standpoint we are either going to be an essential player in this transition or we are not going to have a business anymore so we have to make that decision and I will say Daniel I went through the recession in 2008 and I had another business at that point and um, I didn't react fast enough and so I always have like always knew that if a recession were coming or something big was going to happen I, I needed to make very quick decisions and so my team pivoted immediately to kind of two sides of the equation one side was how do we get the practices that we work with that don't have a plan for telehealth how do we get them up and operational within 24 to 48 hours and so I had a couple members of my team who literally became, Um, subject matter experts for telemedicine overnight and then the other side of the team went to work putting together a plan from a marketing perspective of creating a process and a template that could be copied over and so like we could once we had it we could we could implement it for everybody and so there were there were there were times where I would talk to the young man that works for me his name is Corey he's been over with me for like 15 years and he would tell me these, these stories of a practice administrator calling him and saying, hey, Corey, can we talk about telehealth real quick? I've got the doctors on the on a, on a call. Can you jump into a Zoom? And he would jump into a Zoom and there would be 30 doctors all trying to figure out how to integrate telehealth into their immediate practice and their clinic schedule. And we would be working that out on one side and then we would have the process in place on the other. And so from a marketing standpoint, it was fantastic because it allowed us to become subject matter experts in a matter of a week or so in one area. And then it allowed us to get really deep into that area. And so we knew that the plan, you know, there was a series of about 20 steps from a marketing perspective. And we really had like two telehealth providers that we were working with. And so depending which track the practice would go on, we would just replicate the marketing plan and we would get it implemented really quick. And so it ended up really being, um, it was a lesson in deep diving to understand something, but it was was also a, a real game changer for some of the practices. And it's allowed them to continue bringing in revenue and at the same time, staying relevant with their patients that are out there and providing them a service. And so all in, I think it's been fantastic. And I really hope that the government um, kind of keeps the regulations loosened and that payers get on. I was very optimistic yesterday. I actually downloaded, there's like a 118 page telehealth um, grant, and it's, it's about $300 million that the government has agreed to um, provide as a reimbursement to providers who get on with telemedicine. And so it's it's really aimed at like rural practices and not-for-profit hospitals and then those providing care to the indigent population. But that $300 million investment tells me that we've kind of gotten to the point of no return. And so I'm really excited for the first time ever in what telehealth is going to bring to the to the industry.
0: Yeah, I, you said something interesting there because uh, it really seems like patients. If you look at it from the patient perspective, patients have gotten used to it. They've overcome whatever fear or uncertainty they had with the technology. So now they're, uh, you know, indoctrinated in it. They're seeing the benefits of it: uh, the time saving, sometimes the cost saving, um, and the safety aspect of it if you're uh, engaged in telemedicine or telehealth you're not physically in an office with other uh you know people who might be sick might get you sick so not just with covid but with anything so um i think that is it's going to be very difficult to sort of turn the turn the clock back on that one and and convince patients who have grown accustomed to it to not use that anymore so thanks for making those points on telehealth you know go ahead
1: ahead. i'll add this so like one of those so the conversation kind of now is what's going to happen in the future and you know i got some docs surgeons in particular who are like well i don't want to do these telehealth appointments but then you've got you know aside from like the patient side because i think the genie's out of the bottle and you're not getting the genie back in the bottle but I was talking to a doctor, he's an orthopedic hand surgeon last week about the future of telemedicine and telehealth. And I said, you know, doc, you really think, you know, especially from an ortho side that you're going to continue seeing patients. And he's a younger guy. And he's like, absolutely. Because not only did it work during this process, but now I've got a backlog of surgery and I'm going to do my post-op's through telehealth. And it's also going to, it's going to address the burnout that I've been feeling as a physician, because, you know, for the first time in a long time, the docs were able to work from home a little bit because they're using telehealth. They were spending a little bit more time with their family and the schedule was a little relaxed. And so you can't just expect these surgeons and these doctors to like pivot completely and come back to, you know, a 60 plus hour weeks because telehealth now affords them a little bit of a reprieve and it tackles the, the kind of the physician burnout dilemma head on. And so I think there's a lot of dynamics that are going on from a telehealth standpoint, whether it's the patient side or you know what's it look like from a revenue cycle management in the future, or you know, does this help you attract younger physicians as you're, you've got some that are retiring, attract the, the next breed of physician And will the physician expect this?
0: Yeah. One of the other aspects about this uh, distancing and working from home that's been so important, as you already brought up, is social media. Uh, I know that you've been working with uh, clients, providers over the years uh, on their social media plans. Um, How has that changed? Uh, And how has that been enhanced uh, during this crisis element and time that we've been working through?
1: Absolutely. So I think um, social media right now is one of your most important tools for the practice. And so I've been preaching for years that there's a difference between, oh yeah, I'm on social media versus I'm in social media. And what I mean by that is kind of the school of thought for years was that you could come up with some standard, you know, posts that you put out there, maybe, you know, this holiday, doctor's day, or, you know, breast cancer awareness month, or, you know, the occasional photo of something or your blog post. And and for a long time, that was good enough. But, you know, as social media changed and the way the algorithms changed, it just doesn't work. You have to be on social media, in social media. You have to um, do things that we refer to as like in the moment, which really requires a pretty intensive time commitment and, and strategy and planning to engage with your patients on a regular basis. And so practices who have been doing this and have done it right um, are reaping the rewards and the benefits right now. And those are the practices who are going to come out on this on the other end of this that much more successful as a result. And so I've got some some clients. Um, I've got a doctor, he's a fertility doctor, and he has a really strong audience, And you know, he's not seeing patients. And so he said he gave us a call and he said, "Look, guys, I love you. I'm not going to be able to pay you for a couple months, so I understand if this is going to be a problem. We said, no, doc, Dr. T, this is it's fine. We'll like we'll figure this out. We're in it together." So we came up with a plan to use his audiences on social media to his benefit. And so he's been doing like a series of live Facebook and live Instagram events, which is fantastic because he, he did his first one, um, gosh, I wanna say like the end of March, maybe the first week of April. And since then he's been scheduling something experimental like every week. But the first one he did, he ended up having, I don't know, maybe 100 people, give or take, on the, on the call itself on the Facebook Live. And he's going through it, and all of these parents or want to be, like, prospective parents or prospective patients are chatting with him in Facebook, on the Facebook Live, asking him questions, and he's answering. And then he has patients um, who were successful patients from IVF speaking about their experience and showing pictures of their kids and things like that in the chat to the point that it got where his staff members have to now jump in and also answer questions because there's so much interaction going on. If he hadn't had that audience built in, he would never have had that opportunity and he wouldn't have an opportunity for his existing patients to be recruiting live new patients. And IVF is not cheap. It's about $10,000 a pop. It's a cash-based business for the most part. And he signed up, for the most part, two patients for treatment that are scheduled patients for when this is over from that Facebook Live event. And because he spent all that time building the audience, it allowed him to go in there and to capitalize on it. There's just one example after another of really going deep on the engagement side, but social media is your chance to stay relevant with your patients so that later on, when they do need you, they're going to come to you. And so it's just, it's just been fantastic. And it's allowed us to experiment on a lot of things that we haven't experimented with in the past. And that's all because we invested in being in it versus just being on it with our clients over the years.
0: Yeah, those are some great examples. Uh, It shows how having built that foundation of social media can really benefit a practice, but I want to be fair to some of our listeners who maybe hadn't had that opportunity to build out a very strong social media presence. So let's say they're relying on their website. What's a good example of what someone can be doing right now then? If they don't already have that great foundation of a strong social media presence, what can they be doing on their website that can really get the message out to their patients?
1: Absolutely. I would say, I'm going to start with this. I'm going to say it's never too late. Pick one social channel and I'm going to suggest it's Facebook because everybody's on Facebook. All your, your patients are on Facebook. So if you got a patient population who's 30 or above, they're on Facebook. So that's your area. Go to Facebook, start a page, start communicating. On your website, now is the, the chance, I mean, your website is your frontline of defense. I mean, that is your opportunity to get the most relevant information out there. So we found across the gamut with all the practices we work with that, you know, when you have your new protocols and you know how you're adhering to CDC recommendations, everybody needs to put a red bar at the top of your website when we're going through any kind of emergency or have a message that has to get across quickly. Don't don't keep things in your brand standard. Get out of the brand standard and make a um, a red bar at the top because we don't use red in healthcare. So use a red bar at the top, which draws everybody's eye to what you're doing, and make sure that you um, make sure that you're keeping your information on your website correct. So if you have to shut down an office, make sure you that you note that on the website. If you have limited capacity or the experience is gonna be a little different, use the website to tell that. And certainly do not forget about your Google My Business pages. And what I mean by that is when somebody Googles your practice looking for information, are they open? The Google My Business listing is going to pop up on that front page. And if it says your office is open, But in fact, your office is closed and maybe you put that on your website, but you didn't change your Google My Business, you're sending a very mixed message to your audience. And so a couple of areas that you really should focus on. Yes, you need to be on social and and that's your most immediate way to share information, but you need to put it up on your your website, but you need to remember all those directory listings that are driving people to your website as well.
0: Okay. Yeah, that... That is great information, I think for both the people who are already fully indoctrinated, have great social media presences and the people who didn't they can they can still rely on that uh, website platform and be able to start now building that social media presence. You said something earlier though about social media that it does take a time commitment. What are we looking at what what uh I know you work with all types of different practices, but what sort of the general information you give them on the type of time commitment it's going to take to make this work?
1: It, it really depends on the, the size of the practice. I think that if you're, if you're talking right now, it's hard to give like, I mean, right now, at least half of your time is going to be messaging on social media, like coming up with good stuff. And, and executing it at least half of the time that you're gonna put in the marketing. But big picture outside of the, the COVID environment, I think that there's a big time time investment up front because you're coming up with content for um, for what that social media is going to look like and you're coming up with the strategy for it. And then once you have that, it's about getting the right type of stuff kind of in the queue so that you can plan around it. And investment of time up in the beginning of, you know, 20, 30 hours, but you can trickle in those things that you invested in early on to be successful ongoing. And and these are things that I'm saying, like being in it and not just on it, but you have to train the people on your team and the people you work with of what it is they need to be on the lookout for and give them the resources that they need to um, execute on an idea. And so, you know, what do I mean by that? You, you got to like get everybody involved in the process. And so let's say you're really making a push for outpatient hip surgeries and you really want to push like outpatient, but you don't have a big budget and you don't want to do patient testimonials that are really time intensive. So what do you do? Well, you, you communicate with your, your physician teams and you say to your physician teams, look, we really want to get like real quick cell phone video of patients um, in an outpatient setting like of course they sign all the disclosures and whatnot and we want them like an hour post-op and just get a quick video of them when you're having them walk down the hallway because nine times out of ten that patient is got a successful outcome in the outpatient setting you text that photo your marketing person they get it up on social media there's zero production involved in that but you're reinforcing the message that you're trying to get out there. And so I think it's really, you know, there's an investment in time and energy of the strategy up front and then making sure that your people are empowered to, to, um, to kind of be on the lookout for what is going to work. And then that they, they are able to execute it. I don't think any more that you can just strictly outsource your social media to somebody who also does social media for like, restaurants or education facilities or, you know, general small businesses, if you're going to outsource, you need to outsource to somebody that understands healthcare and that is successful in that. And I would really say that to be successful in social, you need to make sure that your, your employees are trained on what to look out for and that they understand the path for taking what they're seeing at the local level and sending it to the person in charge of managing those accounts.
0: Yeah, no, that is fantastic advice. Um, Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit here. I know that when we spoke several months ago, I had uh, found something on your bio that uh, caught my interest. It says that you wake up at 4 a.m. every day, and I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you in February. Why? Why would you want to get up at 4 a.m.? And then uh, beyond that part of it, uh are you still sticking to that schedule and 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 what does your schedule look like right now
1: i am naturally an early bird but um yes i for the most part i'm sticking to like 4 four thirty 30 in the morning for the most part okay. and it's it's really because i value my quiet time like that's my thinking time and right. my reading time and that's where i get a lot of ideas but i will say I um Every day in the, probably the last week, I've had a 6.30, 7 o'clock call um, from a client or from a doctor who wants to talk through something because they are also, because the days are running just so fast and we're all in so many meetings, like the best time to get something done right now is early in the morning. So yeah, I've been trying to keep to it. Um, my days are a lot longer like yours are. Like I feel like we're in Zoom meetings all day, every day. Um so getting up early for me lets me stay fresh and come up with ideas, and then be ready for those early calls that I seem to keep getting every day at this point.
0: Yeah, I know. I, it's we. It seems to me like it's the day. You said the days seem longer. One person told us it seems like this is just one really long day. It's one day that's never stopped. It just doesn't end. No,
1: it just <laughs> like you're like, what day is it even?
0: Right. Right. I. I. This I believe this is Wednesday when we're recording this, but they do uh-huh. run together right now because it just doesn't seem to stop. So
1: well, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have, have to have work and to have something that absolutely um, intellectually challenges me. But I, you know, there's days where I'm a little jealous of people that are they've been furloughed or they're telling me like, you know, well I, I've got to take my yoga class at eight, and I'm going to do the spin class at ten online, and I, I took a nap today, like. That might be okay for a little bit, but I'm really, I'm very thankful for what we, what we're doing right now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I I think there are a lot of people doing some great work out there. And, and I think it's just important, like you said, to be intellectually challenged, to continue to challenge your mind, challenge, and, and like you said, challenge your body too, just because we do have to find that balance. We do have to. Uh, get some exercise right now, because we are really chained to these desks right now. And, and there's so many people doing great work, but you got to be able to pull back a little bit like offline, you and I were talking, you had an opportunity over the weekend to go to the beach. How did that recharge you? How did that help your mental state and get you going again this week?
1: Well, anything I can do to get out of the house, and out, I mean, I'm I'm blessed to live near the beach and in, in the Florida sunshine, and so we've we've got great weather right now. It's not too hot yet, and if I can get out there, set up my umbrella, grab a book, put my toes in the sand, and not think about all this stuff, it just unfortunately or fortunately, when I when I do that, and when you're able to disconnect and turn off, that's where you get all your best ideas. And I just pray sometimes that those best ideas happen on a Sunday afternoon, so I'm ready on Monday versus happening on a Friday afternoon where all I want to do is work over the weekend since the days blend together.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that is great, great advice. Before we begin to wind down here, I did want to uh, ask you, are there any marketing resources, tools, checklist, anything like that that we can point our listeners to so they can start establishing uh, a stronger social media presence? or? continue to build on the one that they have?
1: Yeah, I have um, a ton of resources, and I will make them available to your listeners, and they're all absolutely free. I've got right now a series that my team's putting together called Marketing Your Medical Practice, What's Working, and so I kicked that off last week, I think, with a um, So what I think are some really good examples of how patient readiness is playing into the equation from a conversation standpoint and how we're using social media to stay relevant. And I think that there's so much to be said about learning from what other people are doing, because there's really no brand new ideas. There's just kind of recycled ideas. So I think the marketing your medical practice series is going to be top notch. I'm doing another one this week on, um, I've got kind of my PR person who has been landing all the PR during this entire thing for our clients, walking people through how they can get PR for their practice and use TV. And then I've got um, I've got a telemedicine marketing template slash checklist that we've put together, and those it's the same checklist I've used for all of our clients. So if anybody wants that, they can have it. And then hopefully nobody needs this anymore, but I've got a reopening your office checklist and a closing your office checklist from a marketing standpoint, everything you need to do so that you can literally go down the list and make sure you've got it all covered.
0: Okay. That, those are great um, you know, ideas there. Is, where where do they go for that then? I want to make sure we get that information to the audience.
1: Absolutely. They could come to my website, which is insight, which is I N S I g h t m as in marketing g as in group.com
0: okay and we can put that in the notes as well for people to click on go straight to that so i I wanted to ask you one final question what are your final thoughts then you'd like to leave our listeners with on marketing amid the covid19 pandemic and beyond what are the things they can do
1: yeah i think um top level thought here i think Crisis aside and making sure that your, your patients and your employees and your family and everybody are healthy, you know, put the crisis aside. I think that we can look at this as a negative and a giant headache, or we can look at this as an opportunity to come out ahead. So now is a great time. Really right now is a great time to try new things. It's a great time to be nimble. Um, and be ready to pivot when things don't work. And it's okay if things don't work. We're in, we're in uncharted waters. And now is it's absolutely imperative that you're authentic in your marketing, that you're not trying to like, you know, put a spin on anything. You need to be authentic. And that means sometimes not being perfect. It's certainly not the time to hit the brakes, because if you hit the brakes, you're going to be so far behind as soon as things ramp back up. And look, I've, I've been telling all my folks, you know, sure, I need to get paid. But let's let's not stress about the money right now um at least with the practices i'm working with it's more like we're going to be partners in this and we're going to put our foot on the gas and we're going to settle it all up later because it's all going to work itself out and in the end and i think that's a good philosophy and i think that the folks who see this this current snapshot in time as a marketing opportunity are going to come out better on the other side of it and so it's really about, you know, do you put your head in the sand or do you do you, to, do you poke your head up, look around and try some new things? And I think that if you try new things, that you're going to be better off for it. And I, I go back to, and I'll end it with this. I have a large op that I work with, and they are right outside of the villages in Florida. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, the village is the largest retirement community, I think, in the entire world. When the president is running for election, there's multiple stops in the villages. Well, they had to shut down every office location that they had. And they had to send all 350 or so employees home. And they ended up paying their employees during this process. And when they reopened a couple weeks ago, they slowly opened and they said, you know what, we're going to use Facebook private groups with our employees to communicate what reopening is. We're going to have to implement telehealth just to survive, and we're going to put our waiting rooms in the parking lot, and we're going to text people when it's time for them to come in. And they said, had they not done, had this pandemic not forced them to try all those things, they wouldn't have seen all these opportunities to improve their practice. And so all three of those things I just told you about are now going to be part of their day-to-day, even in this new normal. And so if we can look at it as a positive and learn from this experience, we're all going to be better off in the long run for it.
0: Okay. Uh, Jennifer, wow, that was a great story. Um, Thanks for sharing that with us. And thanks for all of the insights on marketing, social media, and all the other ways to communicate uh, from provider to patients. This has been super helpful. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, Daniel, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks for letting me come back a second time.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to Care Credit and Scrubbin Uniforms for sponsoring this week's show. To learn more about how Care Credit is helping providers deliver a better patient financial experience, visit carecredit.com slash MGMA podcast to streamline your uniform program, and experience the Scrub-In difference, visit mgma.scrubin.com. Also, thanks to our guest, Jennifer Thompson. You can access the checklist, templates, and other resources Jennifer referenced in today's episode at insightmg.com. With medical practices and their human resources departments facing unprecedented challenges amid the pandemic, You don't wanna miss out on MGMA's fast approaching online event, answering HR questions in a COVID-19 environment. To register for this June 24th seminar, which is eligible for ACMPE, ACHE, CPE, and CEU credit, visit mgma.com slash events. To keep up with the latest regarding the pandemic, be sure to visit mgma.com slash COVID. You can also connect with fellow members and healthcare peers at community.mgma.com. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com/membership. Thanks. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool